Welcome and thanks for checking out this podcast from First International Christian Fellowship. The following message you are about to hear was carefully crafted with you in mind. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message speaks to you as it did to us. Now here's Pastor Joe Salcido delivering this week's sermon. Join me in the word of prayer. Lord God, we thank you for this evening that you have given to us once again. To worship you in this place that you have given us, Lord God, with no worries. All safety that you provided. For keeping us safe, coming from our house, Lord God, and being here at your house. We thank you for all the blessings that you've given us throughout the week, Lord God. And right now, Lord, we rely on your power. I rely on your power. I rest in your love, Lord God, and I am grateful for your grace and your mercy that is new every morning. Father, tonight, Lord, as you use me again as your vessel, Lord, I pray that you, Lord, give me the wisdom that I need, Lord, to speak to your people about your truth, about your will, and whatever it is that is hindering them from being closer and more intimate with you. Father God, as I ask that you bless my preparations, Lord God, I, I pray that you can that you override my preparations, Lord God. Let you and you alone speak to everyone that's here tonight. I pray for restoration for those who are broken. I pray for salvation for those who are lost, Lord God. And I pray for those who are straying away, Father, that this be the evening, Lord God, that they will finally yield to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Good evening. We're almost done with March. Can you believe it? I know, I always say when I'm up here, right? Time's always fine. But it is. We're almost done with the first part of the new year. Isn't that, isn't that, doesn't that bother you sometimes? <laughs> it bothers me sometimes, especially if I still have bills to pay. I'm like, eh, it's March already. My bills aren't closing yet. They keep coming, coming. Problems are still there sometimes. Right? Times are flying. Gray hairs are coming, but sometimes things happen. So tonight, sometimes when, when, when life overwhelms us, right, and sometimes life can be overwhelming, correct? The promises of, of heaven for a believer is soothing, isn't it? Right? When you're sick, when you're experiencing trouble with your health, or when you're watching the news and you're seeing all this trouble, it's troubling your heart, the vision of heaven doesn't that give you peace? It does for me. And I'm so glad that God has finally given us in our journey in the second book of Corinthians some, somewhat of a relieving message because we've been going through the sufferings. I think it's been the past two or three weeks that we've just been talking about the sufferings that a believer experiences through Paul's journey. So tonight, I titled our message, The Promissory Note. I thought it was a clever title, <laughs> but I really don't know if it'll relate to my message. I really don't. A promissory note, by definition, is a financial instrument that contains a written promise by one party to another. A definite sum of money, either on demand or a specified time. The promissory note for us Christians, the promises of God are all written down in the Bible. In his word. The problem for us, many Christians, is that we don't read our Bible. Who here, see, I know we go through this every year, right? This is the this is the night that I'm gonna go through it. Who here has finished reading your Bible with your show of hands? Please raise it up. We're not trying to embarrass those who did it, but you're gonna have to raise it up. Okay. So if you are not raising your hand, but you say you believe the Bible, you believe that it's God's word, and you accepted Christ as your Lord through what the Bible has said, I'm asking, why are you not reading it from cover to cover? How will you know the promises that he has in store for you? How will you help yourself? Let's say you're going through Monday to Saturday problems. Are you really counting on your Sunday just for that meeting? 
because you have a Bible app, if you don't have it, it's free. The website, BibleGateway.com, is free. You're always on Facebook.com. You need to be on Bible app, right? You need to be reading the Word, because you will see, as you go through that journey, who our God is, what His promises are, what His will is for your life, and what to stay in. And stay away from No more of him. The God that you rest your life and your eternity on. So the promise argument. Let's start with the verse that we tackled last week. This I'm gonna use it. I know we tackled it last week, but I'm gonna use it as an introduction tonight. Paul great uh, writes here, therefore. We, speaking about his team, we do not lose heart. Though outward, outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on not what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Only believers can actually really face or gaze our, our eyes upon eternity. We agree. Because we are the only ones who are promised eternal life. The other ones who reject God, they have another thing that they're facing. So they are best to deny that there is no eternal fire for them. That there is no eternal life. To not, this life is the life, so party until you drop. Is their, their life motor correct? <laughs> Live, love, love, laugh. I think I have that other ways, but this is for us. This is for us believers. We discussed this last week, and I just want to again point out Paul's statement for him and his team to encourage the believers in Corinth that despite the trials and difficulties that they face in this life, due to their obedience to God's calling for their ministry. They did not give up. And actually said in many words that it's all worth it. That God, that Christ and God and heaven is worth it. And for the people who will be saved because of the message through them, it's worth it no matter what. It doesn't matter if their body, you know, it doesn't matter what troubles they go through. The trials that Paul went through, the shipwrecks that he went through, the beatings that he went through. It didn't matter. He said it's all worth it. Wouldn't you agree that it was worth it? Because of his faithfulness, of their faithfulness, long time ago, the message came to us. And because of that, we too are promised eternal life. Amen? amen. I think that deserves an amen. Because that is what we truly are looking forward to. Because in this life, we will face disappointments. you agree? Disappointments left and right. It doesn't matter what you do. Sometimes life will just happen, and it's usually a disappointing one. Because you, for many of us, we, there's no need for God if we're experiencing blessings. Sadly, we forget Him, right? We silently praise Him in our blessings. We do. We forget Him. But when trouble hits, that's when we know. That's when we turn to God. That's when we fall down on our knees. When we can't stand the trouble anymore, we fall, hopefully, we fall down on our knees and pray. And we remember Him. That's when we remember Him. Don't you agree? Sometimes trouble is needed. <laughs> now we are... Now, where are you? The question is to the believer. Now, where are you in your stage with your relationship with God? When it comes to that line, he's worth it. Have you actually confessed it? Have you actually accepted it? Have you actually lived it? Or are you living it? That the trials that come your way because of your disobedience for God, is it worth it? Is he worth it? Because obeying God... 
isn't easy. Do we agree? Uh, yes. Those who said amen, thank you. Because you're being honest, right? Because the right answer for a church is no, it's not easy. You know, of course it's easy. I love God. I love obeying Him. I want to always be in God's will. That's the right answer. That is the honest to goodness right answer. But that is not your answer all the time. Right? For the men here. When temptations come your way, temptations come in a number 8, 9, or 10. I'm talking about the rating of a woman. To resist temptation, if the girl is ugly, it's easy to say no. We agree. I'm uh, laughing, but it's true, right? She's not ugly. She's not my type. It's easy to say no. That's not even a temptation for me. But if an 8 or a 9 comes your way, you're like, Lord, this is hard. <laughs> Does the temptation come your way? To cheat financially at 7-Eleven, they give you a change. It's $3 over your supposed change. It's easy for you to say, oh, hey, they gave me $3 back. But in your bank account, you open your online statement, it says a million and 300. 300 is yours, the one million is an error. <laughs> Are you quick to say, hello, Bank of America? I think you guys made a mistake. There's a million dollar extra in my account. No, you're probably going to struggle. Like, I'm, I'm probably really struggling. <laughs> Maybe I should buy some investments right now. And then let them know later. That, hey, I think you gave me an extra million. Here's 500. Let me borrow the other five that I use. <laughs> right? Temptation come our way. And it becomes hard. To obey God is hard. To be in God's will is not always easy. Do we agree? Even Jesus, when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed to God the Father. If this cup, if you can take this cup away, but yet let not my will be done, but let your will be done. Have you prayed that? Believers, have you prayed that here? That's the right way to pray, right? We've been discussing it. The prayer meeting, we always discuss it. We always end our prayer, other than saying, in Jesus' name, we say, but not my will, Lord, but let your will be done. But you know what we're saying, right? You know what you just said. Lord, forget what I asked you. Because you asked it because you really wanted it. Correct? Lord, give the guy to me. Let him be my husband. Let that girl be my wife. Let that be my promotion, Lord. Give me that money, Lord. Give me that big car, Lord. Give me that big house, Lord. But let not my will be done, but yours. Have you realized that? You're actually saying, forget what I just said. Forget what I just said. But see, because it's hard. But that's the process. That's the process that we have to go through. Just like our Christian life, what we're talking about for the past two, three weeks is the, the challenges, the trials, the, the hardships that face a believer when you're following God intimately. It comes, but have you committed and have you said, have you made that result like Paul says, but it is worth it. He is worth it. The only way a believer can continue to obey our Lord and obey the first and greatest commandment is that he focuses his eyes, his mind, and his heart to eternity. That's the only way. Right? Because if you're a, a smart aleck believer and you're just, you just know your doctrine and you're going to say, oh, it's saved by grace anyway. I can fall. I can take this fall and come back to God afterwards. But we will see tonight that Paul, rather than celebrating Christian freedom, he actually says that forget what I want to do, but let what God wants to do through my life. Paul did clear up many things about Christian liberty, about what not food to eat and what not to drink and all those things. He removed it. But he said, do not use this freedom for your self-will. Because it could stumble some other people. 
If you know someone will be stumbling, will stumble because of what you did, don't do it. Paul was good to make sacrifices. Paul made his life a sacrifice, just like Jesus did. The disciples, many disciples, all the disciples, gave their lives for Christ as a sacrifice. But it's worth it. So tonight we're going to talk about why it's worth it. Because there's two things. There's two things. The, the promissory note. <laughs> I, I knew it. It's not going to relate. But there's two promises. There's two promises that we're going to discuss tonight through the verses that we have. Thank you for... No, that's not it. We have one there. Is it the one? Okay, here we go. For we know, we're going to start, verse 1. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. Paul really knows who his God is. Paul knows where he's going. Paul knew. Paul knew where he was going. Paul knew who his God is. Paul knew about God's promises. Paul knew about heaven. Paul knew about the perfect body. And he didn't care. Paul knew that this body that we have is a tent, a temporary dwelling. Who loves camping here? Many of you, right? <laughs> Many Filipinos probably don't like camping especially if you lived in the Philippines before, correct? Because in the Philippines, it feels like camping all the time. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Unless you're one of the higher enchilant, you know, the, the rich people. There's three stages in the, in, in the Philippines. It's very obvious. There is here too, right? There is, there is the tears here. But in the Philippines, it's even more obvious. There are the dirt poor, right? There's the dirt poor, the poor, and there's the poor middle class, there's the middle middle class, and there's the high middle class, and then there's the rich people. So if you're not on the higher and middle middle class, you're probably camping most of the time. Because <laughs> your house is not usually a permanent dwelling. Correct? It's either you're getting kicked out because you haven't <laughs> paid your rent, or your roof after a, a typhoon will be removed. We've never heard of heater until, I've never heard of heater until I got here. I didn't know there was a, such a thing, heater. And I lived in the city where it was so cold in the Philippines. I usually just cover up. I had a beanie, socks, jacket, jacket, jacket. It was torture whenever I would take a shower every morning because there's no hot water. Yeah, it was painful. That's the way to wake up. Cold water on your whole body. You know your ice challenge, bucket challenge before? I've done that every day before for 16 years. It was ice bucket challenge for me. So I didn't even bother doing it here. That's why when you guys tell me camping, my first question is, is this tent or cabin? Because I'll do cabin, but I won't do tent. In a tent, it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. Do you agree? If you like it, <laughs> you're something else. It's not comfortable because it gets too hot or too cold. When strong winds hit, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go, and you're going to be uncovered. It's the same thing with this body. Our bodies are uncomfortable. I don't know how comfortable you are with your body, but it is uncomfortable, especially when you're sick. In heaven, we don't get sick. With our new body, the promise of a new body in heaven, we won't get sick. We won't get hungry. You know, for us Americans, we're like, I don't mind getting hungry. I don't mind losing weight here and there, but the rest of the world, they do mind. The people that came from third world countries or are living in third world countries, we know of hunger. Americans, you are very blessed. Filipinos that grew up here, you are very blessed. You don't know what hunger is, so don't tell me you're starving. You don't have the right to use the word starving because you don't know what it means to starve. Starving is when we went through a big earthquake in 1991. I was there, and we were camping for three whole months with no tents. It was camping, makeshift camping tents because we had to be away from the houses until the engineers approved it. And things, many more people died of the aftershock. I don't know if you've been in an earthquake. 
the major earthquake and then the many aftershocks. You know, up to now, when I feel a little shaking, I get scared. I freeze because I feel like it's another earthquake. The most scariest thing that I've ever been in is an earthquake. 7.3, I think. My whole world was shaking. And I wasn't a believer yet. And I thought the world was going to end. I thought the world was going to end. I start confessing all my sins out loud like, Lord, I'm going to be good. I'm going to obey my parents. I'm not going to do that thing anymore. Lord, I'm going to change. And my, my neighbors followed my, my lead. You know, they started, you know, we all prayed. Everybody was religious at that time. <laughs> when trouble hits, people come to God real fast. And that's what we did. And that's what a tent is. Our bodies are so fragile, right? Tent is uncomfortable. So is our bodies. And in heaven, if you are a believer, there's a promise of a perfect body. Praise God if you're healthy. But there are many believers that are going through health problems, just like our late brother Jonas, right? Right now, our brother Jonas is smiling. He can't remove the smile on his face. He is now with our Lord, walking on the streets of gold, enjoying his perfect body. No more pain. You know how, for you guys who met him, or for you guys who don't know him, he had um, cancer. He had from the rectal cancer became a bone cancer, then to his, and it became brain cancer. Every move that our brother made was hurting him. He couldn't get comfortable. The only way for him to get through a day was to be drugged up. So don't you think he was looking forward for the new body? So I say this because when, we, when trouble hits us, when trouble hits us physically, when trouble hits us in, in, our, in our family, when trouble hits us in our ministries, there is a promise of heaven. And it's good to focus on eternity. It's always good to focus there. An earthly tent we live in is our present body. A tent is a temporary and flimsy abode. Paul being a tent maker, he was good to make this as an, as, a, as an example. Our bodies are vulnerable, our bodies are weak, and our bodies are wasting away. In a building from God that is not made by the hands of man is perfect. Do we agree? A solid structure, it's permanent and it's not temporary. This is one of the eternal realities that we are yet to see. The work of God, and therefore, if it's the work of God, it is permanent. Do we agree? Same with our salvation. For those of us who have accepted Christ, His work on the cross was perfect. Our sins yesterday, our sins today, and unfortunately our sins tomorrow too. I say unfortunately because we are still going to fall. They're all forgiven because God's work is perfect. And same thing when he brings us to that state. Once we go to heaven, it's permanent. No more worries. For me, that's what gets me by many times. When I see the unfairness of this world, when I, see the, when I feel the pain in this world, when I feel the disappointments in this world, I think of heaven and I feel better. Mind you, I said, I think of heaven because you don't feel because when you're disappointed when you're hurting you're feeling differently you don't feel God sometimes that's why many people stray because they take it against God this is what happens when I start obeying you this is what happens now that I'm finally walking hand in hand with you will you bring trouble in my life we blame God and then we start running away for many of us, that's what happens. That's why we have to know. That's why the Bible study, you studying the Word of God, you reading His promises, you joining Bible studies. We have many Bible studies available. We do. If you're, join, if you're, there's, if you're by the Northwest, there's one there. There's two at the Stead area. There's one in the Sparks area. And if, you, if anybody wants to start a new one, just let us know, and then there you have another Bible study. But the thing is, not many want to study. 
Everybody else have something else to do. The sad thing is the world can do whatever they want to do. We agree. I'm not even surprised that they don't want to do Bible studies. I'm surprised, what I'm surprised with, what I'm disappointed with, is when believers take it for granted. That's when my heart breaks. Because we should be craving that. We should be wanting that. We should be looking forward for that. We should be curious. We should be hungry. We should be thirsty for His Word. And then we wonder, and then we say to the Lord, Lord, I thought, I didn't know it was going to be like this. Well, if you would have just read my word, you would have known. Biggest failure of us believers is our negligence in studying the word. Let's move, move forward. For a while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Again, in the tent, you will have trouble. In the tent, is not permanent, it's uncomfortable. In our bodies, it's not permanent, we will, have, we will have trouble. In our bodies, with the sins that you've committed before, it's ingrained in you. That's the one curse of the sin that you will have to fight through for many years as long as you are living. Because the consequences of sin must, was paid by Jesus. When you accepted Christ as your Lord, it was paid. The consequences, that consequence, eternal fire, was paid for. But the sin that you've committed is, happens to be ingrained in your flesh. That's why you know how it tastes. You know how it feels. That's why it becomes hard for you. That's why it becomes a struggle. Because if you've never tasted it, if you've never felt it, if you don't know what it is, you could care less for it. But the things that you struggled before, that you were, were your darling sins, those are the things that you're hard to, that gives you a hard time and you struggle with. That's why you need to know that. And that's why God, whenever you fall again and again, then you don't go to the next step. But the promise is, when you, the promise is God has forgiven you. Amen? That's... That's why His grace and His mercy is new every morning. That's why that's the great promise that we have to remember. That God has forgiven us. Jesus has paid for it. Confess it. Get over it. Stop doing it. The thing is, we, kept, we keep doing it and doing it. And then, and then we say, I can't. I can't move on. I'm having a hard time. Because you actually really don't want to move on. You want to stay in there. But you know, when you get to heaven, when that permanent body, with that new body that Jesus, God will give us, there's no more struggle. Amen? So that you should answer the question that you guys had at the uh, young adults meeting. That should answer that question. In your perfect body, there's no more need to worry about falling. Because you have the perfect body. There's no more struggle there. There's no more. You're done. And then we groan. In this body, we feel pain. Do you agree? We feel pain, we struggle, and we can't get over it. We groan, we hurt, we feel it, and we ask, and we complain. Some of us long to be in our heavenly bodies. Some, I said. Some long to be in our heavenly bodies. Not everybody. Because some of us are enjoying this body right now. We don't prioritize heaven. You look at your life and you think, how are you spending your life right now? Right? However you spend your money, that's where your priority is. Do we agree? And however you spend your life, that's what your priority is too. Do we agree? Some of you will say, no, I really don't like my job, but I'm forced to work because I have bills to pay. There's nothing wrong with working. You have to pay your bills. You have to be responsible. But the thing is, the question is, this body will fade. 
all are alive. Everybody has a timeline. The clock will stop ticking for, for all of us. We just don't know when. So when you, part, when you know that, just like what, what the Bible says, Lord, teach us to number our days. If you know that your time is ticking, and at, en- at any given time God can take you, the question should be, how are you spending this temporary life? Are you spending it for you? For that allure of retirement in the Philippines for the Filipinos? The Bahamas for the Americans? <laughs> Something comfortable. If that is how you're spending your life, and that's what you're looking forward to, and again, you know, many times there's nothing wrong with that. But if that takes precedence over your relationship with the Lord, then there's something wrong. Because then it becomes your idol. We live our lives in this temporal body, not as a living sacrifice for God. And we don't live our lives as a stepping stone for another person, an unbeliever, to witness God's love, His grace, and His mercy. But we serve as a stumbling block for all the world to see. We groan and complain that it hurts, but yet we forgot that it was us, it was our disobedience for many of us, for some of us, that caused these things. Again, there are troubles. Trouble will hit you when you're following God intimately. But for most of us, trouble comes because of our disobedience in God in our walk with Him. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and we prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. You see, Paul's focus, his focus is on God. His focus is on the laws for God. His trust is in God, in His God. No ifs and buts about it, if you read through it. There's no doubt in, in, in Paul's life. There was no doubt. He didn't doubt what he was doing for God. He didn't regret what he was doing for God. He didn't cry out for complaints. He was okay with it because for him, it was worth it. He knows it is God's purpose. And knows that the Holy Spirit that was given to him, which is given to us too, the believers, guarantees us, guarantees us that we have the power that was promised. The Spirit is the power for us to move forward with God. The Holy Spirit empowers us to resist temptation. The Holy Spirit enables us, gives us boldness to speak His truth. The Holy Spirit was promised. All God's promises has come true and will come true. Paul Paul knew this. Paul knew all of this. The new body here other than the heaven for all who trust in the Lord were all promises, are all promises. Now the question is, do you have the same trust in our Lord? For and then you're probably asking there, trust what? Because you don't know what the promises are. Trust what? Pastor Joe, I just know about when I die, I go to heaven. That's all I know. I don't even know what I'm going to do in heaven. Am I going to be at church there all the time? I mean, it says in the Word that you're not going to be hungry anymore with the new body. It does not mean I'm not going to eat anymore. I love eating. If you don't read, you don't study, you don't learn. Those questions will remain. What are you doing? My question back to you is, what are you doing about those questions? What are you doing about those questions? And God has given me the privilege to be the pastor of this church, his, his church, the great church, for the past two years, going on three years. But the question remains, for me, is like, when I ask the question, how many of you have read the Bible from cover to cover, it still breaks my heart. Because the reason why I'm moving forward with God here is because I know He called me to do 
And you know how I know he called me to do it? Because I was reading his word. I was doing it because of, because of obedience to his, his will for me. And my, my cry for you is that you do the same. Because once you see God speaking to you, once you hear God speaking to you through his word, through your study, you will be compelled to move forward with him. You will not be compelled unless you see it in his word. Unless you truly spend your time with him. You will not obey. I Trust me, trust me. You will not obey him until you pick up his word. Sometimes you get convicted when you hear a message. Here or in your podcast. Sometimes you hear it and you're like, oh man, that was right. It got me right here. Sometimes when you say right here, it stays right there. Nothing happens. Many messages got me here before too. But until I really walked hand in hand with God and I picked up His Word, everything was just a great idea. Guys, Christianity is not a great idea. It's not. Christianity is not a great idea. It is the only way for us. It is the only way for every believer to walk and to live. And you can only pick it up and be compelled by it if you're really studying His Word. There's no other way around it. Paul knew everything. He was a Pharisee. He knew everything about the the Old Testament, the Scriptures. But he didn't know who God was. He really didn't know who God was. Because Jesus came to him, correct? And he was asked, why are you persecuting me? Until Jesus spoke to him. He was going going about it the wrong way. Until you let God speak to you, you will be going about it the wrong way. How does God speak these days? There's no burning bush experience anymore. There's no burning bush. It's through the Word. Are you reading His Word? Are you studying? Are you joining Bible studies? Some of us, we struggle coming to church. And that's once a week to hear the truth of God. Once a week, one hour. And some of you guys sleep 30 minutes of it. (laughs) And then you wonder why you didn't hear the message while you were sleeping. Sometimes I wonder, you know, I wonder. (laughs) The question again, are you confident? Just like Paul. He said, we are always confident. Who are they confident in? They're not confident in themselves. They're not confident with themselves. They were confident in God. The question for you is, are you confident with our Lord? Do you know about the promises? Do you know about the promises of the new body? What are you doing in your life right now? Knowing that your life is temporary and that after this life is heaven with our new body and the opposite is true for those who have not received Him as their Lord's. What are you doing about those truths? You know, I hate, I hate it when I watch, when I see a documentary. I love watching docus, but I hate it when I watch something that's really compelling. Just like, sugar is bad for you. That fed up, that fed up uh, docu, I watched it on Netflix. And boy, did I take that 10 day, no sugar. Because I really knew, I, re- I was really compelled. I felt, and I was thinking that what they were saying was true. It was not good for me. Sugar is not good for me. So I took the 10-day challenge. And you know what I've realized? I'm crazy, number one. (laughs) But two, I take a lot of sugar. But my point is, because I did that to myself, because I thought and I felt that what I learned was true. What I heard was true. Now believers, I'm talking to believers, do you believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? Great. Now, because of your answer, you are now, you are now, you should be compelled. Right? That's your charge to yourself. Because you know that truth, the question is, what are you doing about it? 
How are you now spending your life, this temporary life? Do you agree that your life is temporary? Mm -hmm. Amen. Do we all believe that not, not all of us will reach the 82 years that Pastor Charles did? Mm -hmm. Right? Not all of us will have that privilege. If you believe that, the question should be, how are you spending your life? Do you have that confidence in you? That brings us to our next point. That our goal is to please God with our body, with our life. 2 Corinthians 5, 9. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please Him. It is our goal to please Him. It should be our goal. If it's not your goal yet, it should be your goal. To please Him. Him to please God. To please Christ. It is, your, is it your goal to please Him with your entire body? Is the question. With your entire being. First and greatest commandment, as you, as you thought, it was so simple. But then when you start living, you're like, man, this is hard. This is actually hard. To love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. That is the first and greatest commandment. And that is not simple. It is easier said than done. But the fact remains that our lives should be spent to please Him. That's in Mark 12, 30. Loving Him requires our entire being. Same with our spouse and our children and our family. Love the word is love the action. I've heard that before, and I thought it was, it was so clever. When you say you love someone, because love, the word, is, is, is an action word. It requires something from you. So if you're, if you're saying, if you're walking around in your mind or out loud, if you're walking around saying you love God, are you doing something about that love? For some of us, for many of us, maybe. The question for you if you're saying, oh, not consistently. The answer there is like, keep trying. Because I, was, I wasn't walking hand in hand with the Lord for many years. I'm the best example of a bad example. <laughs> That's what I was. We have to please God. Our lives now, you have to look at your life. This is a personal note for you, right? If you love God, you look, reflect. How am I spending my life? This temporary life. Yes, we are talking about the new body. We're talking about the promises of heaven. But as we know that those are all guarantees, we have to always ask ourselves, how, what am I doing? How am I serving God? How am I loving Him? How am I showing that I love Him? What am I doing with my life that could be taken away from me anytime? What am I doing about the people that God has given me to minister to? The lost people that you are that you work with that don't have Christ, you might not see them after. If you will not share, not might, you will not see them. I know it's heavy. I said it was going to be light, but it got heavy. Huh? <laughs> Loving Him requires our entire being. If you make it your goal to please God first, normally it requires that we forget what we want for ourselves. It is the same thing with praying. When we say, but not my will, Lord, but let your will be done. It's the same thing. But when we say we love God, we have to obey His commands. And you simplify it by focusing on the first and greatest command. Do we have that picture? I want you guys to focus on this guy. Not the guy in the suit, but the guy, Kobe Bryant, when he used to play for the Los Angeles Lakers. He is considered one of the I know some of you could care less for basketball. <laughs> Paul used running most of the time, so I use basketball most of the time. 
Kobe is the number three in history of most points scored. One of the most points that he scored in one game was the 81 points. He became a professional basketball player when he turned 18 or 19. He has always been just playing basketball. And this is his body, the year of his retirement. He needed ice everywhere. He gave his body, he gave his life to a sport. Because he believed, and he has this, his love relationship with basketball, it won an Oscar. He confessed, I know, he, he wins every. He won an Oscar for saying his love relation with basketball because he gave it his all. That's why he's in pain. He's rich, that's true. But same thing with my mom. With people, you know, we, we do things for what we love, right? We do things for people we love. We do things for, for the things we feel that it's the right thing to do. Correct? So we got the Greenpeace people, we have missionaries, we have everything for a cause. If you believe in a cause, you give your all. My son had a weekend tournament because he loves basketball. So he played two games yesterday, or three games yesterday, and by the time we got home for the first time, Alonzo not being sick, went straight to bed and was quiet. <laughs> he was tired. He was tired. His body was aching. Up to today, he was quiet and his body was aching. <laughs> because when you love something, you give your all. Do we agree? So the question may be, if you haven't given your all to God, maybe you don't really love Him that much. Right? I'm not... I'm, 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 that's so judgmental, Joe. <laughs> no, no, no. It's something for us to think about, right? If you haven't given your all to God, maybe you really don't love Him that much. Romans 14, 15 to 18, it reads, Your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat. You are no longer acting in love. Do you not... Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know what is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Why am I here? We see here that Paul doesn't focus on the Christian liberty or freedom even if he was addressing it by the standards of what was being eaten or, drink, or drank. Because before, and sadly even now, some believers still think that we are, you know, there are certain things that we can't eat or certain things that we don't drink or we lose our salvation. Paul, despite this truth of freedom, focuses himself and his readers of the need of approval from God first pleasing him, in the, and then the approval of the witnesses that surrounded them. In Hebrews 12, 1, it reads, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance and the race that marked. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Paul didn't focus. He, he was telling the believers, hey, yeah, you don't lose your salvation, but you don't earn heaven by not eating or drinking or eating something or not. But don't do that. If you know someone's going to get stumbled because of your Christian freedom, because of your Christian liberty, don't do it. Because at the end of the day, you want God's approval, and then you have God's, God's approval, you will get the approval of people. That's why we have to live our lives pleasing to God. And as we please God, we will get the approval of the people here. Sadly, sadly, we could care less, right? Some of us. We don't have time to worry about what other people think. That's our reason. 
We just care about what God thinks. But this is what God thinks. If you are going to stumble someone because of your freedom, don't do it. That's what he says. Our goal is to please God with our body, with our life. Colossians 1 to 10. So that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. That's the first thing that will grow with us, our knowledge of Him. Because you don't know what to obey and what not to do if you are not reading His Word, if you are not studying His Word. You won't know. Because that's where it starts. The knowledge, the study of the doctrines, everything, the promises, the warnings. How will you know that if you're not reading His Word, if you're not studying His Word? The challenge, believers, is that we need to pick up our Bibles. Amen? Some people will tell me, oh, I don't have a Bible anymore. I got a Bible app. Okay, then read your Bible app. Are you reading your Bible app? I don't know what the average time now is for every American when how much time they spend on on, on this. That's the drive to California. <laughs> almost, almost to LA, and you're just on Facebook right there. If you were to stay, you'd be in Disneyland. But no, you chose to be on Facebook. First Thessalonians. Finally, brothers, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus to live in a way that is pleasing to God. As you have received from us, this is how you already live. So you should do so all the more. You see, our lives, our, our walk is asked. We need to walk that straight and narrow path. Not because of our salvation anymore. That's guaranteed. Jesus paid for it all. But people are watching. And people need to see that you are living what you're preaching. You agree? We have to. We have to agree. It's true. Because it's true. If you are still having a hard time accepting, or better yet, if you still do not have that inner resolve or wanting that you want to please our Lord with your life, maybe, just maybe, you didn't really comprehend what you did when you said you accepted Him as your Lord. You don't understand the Lordship of Jesus. You just wanted the Savior part. Having Him as our Lord tells us, and we tell Him, that He, will have, he can have His way with us. That's what a Lord is. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are well known to God, and I also trust are well known in your consciences. We're going to discuss about the judgment seat of Christ. Now, the judgment seat of Christ, when you see the good or bad there, it doesn't mean it leads to your judgment that you lose your salvation. This is the judgment seat of Christ is for believers, for the good things that we did here on earth. Okay? I'm seeing some confused faces. Judgment seat of Christ is for the believers. The great white throne is for the unbelievers. The great white throne is when you're told, you are going to hell. For the judgment seat of Christ is like, all right, come here, Pastor Joe, sit down, let, now let's test your good works. It says in, in 1 Corinthians 3, 10 and 15, we tackled this before, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is, which is laid, which is, Christ, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. <coughs> the fire is the Holy Spirit. It will test if the good works that you did here was for your benefit or for the applause of many 
not for God's glory. All our good works will be tested by fire. This is a charge for those of us who are serving Him. The believer, you should be serving Him. Every believer, you don't need a title. You don't need to be a pastor or a missionary to be serving God. This is for every believer. You will face Jesus in the judgment seat. And He will test every good work that you've done. If it was for you, for your glory, or if it was for Him. The gold, the silver, and the precious stones are the ones that will remain. But the ones done with wood, hay, and straw will burn up. They will burn up. The believer will still be saved. But the good works, the rewards will be gone. Some of you are thinking, what rewards? The reward for me is to go to heaven. That alone is good. Amen. That alone is good. But you know, there are promises of rewards for, for us. There are four kinds of crowns. <clears throat> there are four kinds of crowns. If you didn't know, there are four kinds of crowns for a believer to receive at the judgment seat. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Forever. A crown that will last forever. For those of you who have been in your high school reunion, the great things that you've done for your school, do the other students remember? Do they know of it? Is your award still hanging there? Do you know of the Michigan Fab Five? The Michigan Fab Five was consists of great high school players that all went to Michigan University. They won great, they won many, many games. They almost won the championship. But it was found out years later that they were paid to go to Michigan. So what, what, what happened to them is everything about what they did was removed. It was gone. Only the people like me know about it. <laughs> the ones that watch the documentary. The ones that really liked them. Their banners of their wins were removed. Their records that they were done in, in that college were gone. <clears throat> it was erased. But the things that we do for God, the crown that will last forever. The crown that will last forever. And, and the other crown is the crown of life. James 1 to 12. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. And though the long preachings of a pastor, afterward they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. <laughs> yeah, they patiently endure the long preaching of Job. <laughs> they will receive the crown of life. So there's the crown that will last forever. There's a crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Do you love him? So you might get that crown. I'm not the one who's going to test that. It's the fire. It's the Holy Spirit that will test that fire, that love. Is it real? In 1 Peter, now we see the crown of glory. And when the chief shepherd, speaking about Jesus, appears, you will receive the crown of glory. Amen? That will never fade away. Those are three crowns. There's one more crown. The crown of righteousness in 2 Timothy 4, 5 to 8. But you, but you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already poured out like a drink offering. Paul speaking. He was being poured out like a drink offering. You know what a drink offering is, right? And the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Praise God. Amen? Amen. Some of you guys probably, oh, Pastor Joe, I could care less for a crown. False humility. False humility. <laughs> now sometimes, you know what we're going to do with the crown? We're actually going to give it up. The Lord, 
in Revelation, and I don't mean to take one of your chapters here. In Revelation 4, 10 to 11, it reads, The 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you please. I hope that we're not just going to learn how to praise God and say that He is worthy when we are up there. My hope is that as we live in this temporary life, in this tent, this fickle body that we have, that we are using it as a living sacrifice for our Lord. That we are pouring our lives for His people, for His work, for His glory. That's my hope. I, I hope that you will feel that and you will be compelled by the Holy Spirit. That you will fall in love with God and give your all to Him. And you will say, despite all the trouble, you will say, Lord, you are worthy. You are worthy. Lord, you are worthy. Lord, you are worthy. Paul stressed that the Corinthians could have confidence in the bodily resurrection and afterlife. Right? That's what we tackled. is the new body and the afterlife. This contrasted is a contemporary idea that some Corinthians held. That bodily, bodily resurrection would not happen. And that the soul was to separate from the body. When Jesus was walking here before he was before he was sacrificed on the cross, his the enemy were the Pharisees. But when Jesus resurrected, the people now the Sadducees were his, became his opponents because the Sadducees were the ones who did not believe in the resurrection. Jesus' followers, us, we know of God, right? That. He reserves a bodily resurrection for us and that we have a heavenly dwelling waiting for us. It is not easy for us to see a city or imagine a city that we've never seen before. Right? Have you realized this? Have you noticed this? That when before, if when you're going to a, a place that you've never been there before, it seems to be, the drive seems to be so long. The journey becomes so long. You're like, man, this is taking forever. Like Joe's preaching last Sunday. It's taking forever. But then when you're about to go home, and you're going home from that place, let's say a party instead, right? In the Red Rock area. And you're going home. The drive seems to be so fast. Because you're familiar with it. You're familiar with it. That's our journey with our Lord. Some of you, the journey has been long. It's been very long and very stormy. In no way do I wish to minimize the difficulties and the pain that you go through. Are you tired? I think so. <laughs> Let me encourage you. Let me encourage you through the words of Paul. It is worth it. God is worth it. When you see your loved one finally accept Christ, as their Lord, someone that you've been praying for for many years, you will say it is worth it. It was worth it. It was worth the persecution. By the time you see Jesus up there, and by the time he gives you the, your, the rewards for all the work, you will say it is worth it. And you will give it back to the Lord and say, Lord, only you and you alone are worthy of my praise. Amen. Believer, do you you accept that? If so, let your life speak. Let your life show that you believe that. Amen? Amen. Let's close and pray. Thank you for your patience. <laughs> I know uh, that took over the one hour living. <laughs> but you know what? Life happens. <laughs> Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your truth, Lord God. We thank you for your promises, Lord God, specifically about our new body that is waiting for us, Lord God. And heaven, Lord God, 
the place of no more pain, no more tears, Lord God, where the street is paved with gold, Lord. Father, we thank you for your promises because we know all your promises have come true and will come true. Lord, we trust in you. We trust in your word. We know that everything you say happens and will come to pass. That said, Lord God, we ask for your help. We ask, Lord, for forgiveness of our sins, Lord God, for the many times that we have obeyed ourselves in our selfish will instead of your will, for satisfying our cravings instead of obeying you, Father. Lord God, forgive us. And Lord, help us. Help us to be victorious in our lives with our walk. To be not selfish. To be not focused on ourselves, but to be focused on you. And Lord, as we go through the problems and the trials that we that, that we face after we follow you, after we walk hand in hand with you, I, I Father, I pray that our hearts and our minds will say, you are worth it. Lord, I pray for comfort. For your servants, Lord God, who are going through troubles and trials right now and difficulties. I pray that you comfort them, Lord God. I pray that you spoke to them through this message, Lord God. And I pray for those who have yet to walk with you, Lord. I pray that this will be the message that will just move them, encourage them, and make them bold, Father, and make them finally obey. Lord, I pray for your entire church. Lord, I pray that we will be pleasing to you. I pray that we are not taking any glory, Lord God, for ourselves or as a church. I pray that we are good and quick and are sincere to give all the glory back to you and to your love. We thank you, Father, for everything that you've done tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's the end of today's message. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and want to support our mission of reaching others, Help grow our ministry by visiting ficfreno.com slash give. To get the latest updates from our channel, hit the subscribe button. Visit our Facebook page by clicking the link below to let us know how God is moving in your life.